Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, hello and welcome to Compliance Clarified, the podcast for risk and compliance professionals around the world. Now, Australian financial institutions and their senior executives are preparing for a new nationwide financial accountability regime which will bring in a UK-style framework for senior management accountability across the country. Under the Financial Accountability Regime Act 2023, or FAR as it's known, institutions will need to establish an accountability map and a set of obligations for their directors and senior executives. The FAR will take effect on March 15 next year. The object of FAR is to impose a stronger accountability framework for the banking, insurance and superannuation industries and their directors and of course their most senior and influential executives. Now financial institutions and their executives will need to understand the requirements of the legislation and how they may be held accountable for their decisions and compliance failures. But will the laws be effective? Do they have real teeth? And will they genuinely improve conduct across the financial sector in line with the recommendations from the Financial Services Royal Commission? For today's episode of Compliance Clarified, we're very fortunate to have Niall Coburn here to answer all of these thorny questions and more. Niall is the Asia-Pacific regulatory expert for Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence based in Brisbane. Niall, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nathan. It's great to be here. And this is going to be a very interesting topic, especially for senior directors all around Australia and their key personnel in those institutions. Absolutely. It's it's far ranging and it's also a long time coming, you might say. So Australia's senior management regimes, you know, it's been in the works for years, ever since Hain, the Royal Commission. Can you just share with our listeners how we got to this point? Yes, yeah, so it's been a it's been a long road of evolution, and there has been a, a gap in the system. In the system, um, as as was revealed in the Royal Commission into um, the f- uh, Financial Services um, in twenty seventeen, where uh, Commissioner Hain found that there was absolutely no internal accountability. Um, where both uh, directives and the senior management were held accountable for major compliance failures and indeed misconduct. And um, as a consequence, um, even though the regulator had lines of sight of what had occurred, not one individual or not one director was um, held personally um, accountable for the indeed, uh, egregious failures of the major financial institutions in relation to uh, the banking industry. And so what, ha- what emerged is that um, under the Liberal government, they introduced the um, BEAR, which was the Bankers um, um, Accountability Regime, which was supposed to provide more c- clarity in relation to the responsibilities of senior individuals, the directors and executives, so that the regulators, if things went wrong, they actually had line of sight who was responsible for making that 
decision at that particular point of time within the organization. So that's the whole idea of it. So first we had the bear regime, but the bear lacked teeth, it's safe to say. The question now, of course, Noel, is will FAR go far enough to discourage bad behaviour, to penalise bad behaviour and to encourage better conduct? So on that subject, can you describe to us what are the the core objectives of this new regime? Yeah, so um, I actually might say to you that the bear was not a scary bear at all. And in fact, um, not one d- director was held uh, a cannibal under bear, even though there was um, very serious issues um, revealed in organisations around um, anti-money laundering, compliance failures, um, and internal misconduct, uh, and even fees for no service and issues like that. Not one person was held responsible. So now the idea, so we've gone from bear to far, and the question is how far are we from accountability, if you like. And um, so the uh, intention of far is to impose um, and strengthen the accountability framework for banking, insurance, and and, and superannuation. Um, so, in relation to bear, it was only in relation you know, to, uh, to banking. So now, insurance and superannuation is being brought up up into that head, and also the subsidiaries as well. So, non-operating holding companies which didn't come under bear are now under that uh, umbrella. And so inst- financial institutions and their executives will really need to fully understand the core requirements. And I'll just set out what they are. So there's four major requirements that they need to un- understand. And that is what, what are they accountable for and who is accountable? So what are the key personnel within the organization is responsible for the business decisions um, what are the obligations in relation to deferred remuneration and the requirements to notify uh, the regulators? So, so, so they're the four major issues, and I'll just go through them um, and not not take up too much. But in relation to um, accountability, it's really making sure that directors and senior executives conduct their business with honesty, care, skill and uh, d- diligence, and um, that they act in the interests of their customers. So that's easier said than done is what we've seen um, in, in the past. The The next issue is that there are key personal obligations um, for individuals, and these will require all entities to have responsibility maps um, in relation to who is responsible for making um, the decisions in their line of business of operations um, within the financial institutions. Then there is the deferred remuneration. So um, organizations are required to defer remuneration obligations um, up to at least 40% of the variable remuneration. So this means, for example, that but bonuses and incentive payments of directors and senior executives can be deferred for up to four years and up to 40% of that. So that is um, if there is non-compliance um, of their obligations. So that's a fairly hefty introduction um, of a requirement. And for finally, there is a notification obligation 
on the financial institutions that um, they must provide information to the regulators, that's APRA and ASIC, um, about information all in relation to the business and especially information expect, um, affecting the performance of their directors or senior uh, executives. So that's the overall core requirements in a nutshell, if you like. That's great. Really helpful. And as you pointed out, Noel, we didn't see any major enforcement cases under Bear. It was more safe to say it was more Paddington than Grizzly on that front. Why should we feel more confident about this set of reforms? Yeah. So this is quite an, an interesting um, aspect because it is very disappointing um, in, the, in the sense that we have seen since the Royal uh, Commission a number of very serious compliance failures, and I won't go into e each of the institutions, um, and they're well known, and no action was taken by ASIC or APRA un under the Bear regime, and one has to question why that was the case. Um, and if I can just indicate this, like when you go through the um, hearings within the Royal Commission itself, there was no less than um, five CEOs lost their jobs um, and at least one or two ch chairmen of the boards lost their jobs for um, outstanding poor performance um, in relation to compliance failures. And so... Those jobs were lost in that period of the inquiry. And then post the inquiry, you had, off, you had no enforcement whatsoever in relation to um, accountability failures. And um, I don't know the answer as to why um, that, that would have been the case, but um, it's certainly a concerning issue. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. One of the big issues with FAR so far has been that, uh, you know, there was going to be million-dollar penalties attached to this for individuals. They've been removed, which was highly controversial. Can you explain to us what the penalties will be and how they will be able to drive better behaviour? So under FAR, um, as, as you know, there was a debate um, in Parliament, where um, the uh, the Greens wanted to introduce individual uh, penalties, similar like what they have in the UK, um, into Australia for compliance failures, but ultimately that wasn't accepted. And what was agreed upon was that under FAR, individuals can be banned, um, and they can be um, directed to be removed from uh, an organisation. So that was a compromise. Um, that was reached, but organisations themselves can be fined un un under FAR, um, where there are p penalties for non-compliance um, for up to fifteen point six 
uh, million in a fine or three times the benefit derived from the misconduct or 10% of the t- turnover. So I suppose the, the, the argument was that they didn't want to dissuade um, um, economic t- talent from joining um, banks and financial institutions where individuals feared that they could be held personally responsible, often um, for not their own conduct, but the failures of procedures within the organisation itself. So it's a very tricky line, if you like. Um, how do you maintain this? And that, I suppose that leads on to what, what you've asked. Um, you know, why should we feel confident that FAR is going to be more effective? Well, I think um, the, the main answer to that is that there, there is this drive in Australia, I suppose, at the moment, where there is a heightened review of um, accountability and and we're seeing um, that uh, that ASIC has emphasised and and APRA have emphasised that they will take action um, where there is a failure, but ultimately it means that the individuals involved, if there is misconduct, will not have to pay any penalty. Um, so the question is, is 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 that enough? Well, the government seems to think it is. So. We'll just have to see how the uh, the regulators work through this new fire and um, how it will be um, rolled out across the financial sector. Absolutely. And indeed, it'll be interesting to see how dual oversight works with enforcement split between the prudential regulator and the conduct regulator, APRA and ASIC, respectively. Niall, how does FAR compare to the senior management responsibility regimes in other jurisdictions, such as the UK? Yes, so this is very super interesting. I would say that the UK senior manager and certification regime has more teeth than the current FAR as as it appears within the legislation. Simply because that in England, um, senior managers, that's uh, directors and senior executives, can be held personally um, accountable under their conduct rules um, where they can be fined um, if there are massive compliance failures or serious issues. So just for example, um, on the 12th of October 2023, the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK imposed a £1.8 million fine on James Staley, former CEO of Barclays, and he was banned from the financial industry. And um, so this is really where um, the legislation in the UK has teeth compared to Australia. So it just remains to be seen how APRA and ASIC will deal with this type of misconduct and how they will approach individuals. So looking at the uh, forward agenda for our listeners, what do you see as the priorities for organisations and executives as they prepare for this, they prepare for March next year? So I, I think the main issue is that in order for organisations to be successful, that they should um, 
create strong f- foundations um, to ensure s- success in the tra- transitioning from bear to fire. And that means that they should have programs in place where there is a clear project plan, well-defined communication, um, an engagement approach across um, all senior uh, executives, directors, and key personnel. Um, And also they should be having a look at whether or not there are any um, gaps in their procedures um, at, at the moment, is there a gap in your uh, their um, accountability? Um, are there new requirements to be implemented because of the tr- tr- transition? Well, these are all very important issues that um, institutions uh, should take on board. So, um, as you mentioned at the start, the banks are required to um, implement FAR by the fifteenth of March, twenty twenty four. An insurance and superannuation trustee is um, must comply um, by 2025, 15th of March 2025. So there is some time, but um, a year is not a lot to ensure that there are procedures in place where there is a whole new accountability of obligation for uh, executives across uh, the line of the institutions. Um, the other thing is that they, there should be training involved. Um, we've just come out of, um, in Australia, the issues in relation to PwC and um, concerns around risk and conduct management there. So although you may have in place, you may think that you have in place um, a robust um, procedural uh, and um, risk management r- regime, it may need to be revisited un- un- under FAR and um, organisations should take account of that. Well, Niall, thanks so much for sharing with us your views and insights on this really significant regulatory development for Australian organisations and also those beyond If you would like to learn more, don't forget to check out Regulatory Intelligence, where we explore all of the critical topics in regulation, risk, and financial crime. I'm Nathan Lynch, Asia-Pacific Manager for Regulatory Intelligence, and we look forward to speaking with you next week on Compliance Clarified. Thank you. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.